You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Here, why don't you take your seats and at home if you're standing, take your seat, musicians, singers. Thank you so much. Wow, what a joy to be here. Uh, with the opportunity to open the word uh, to those uh, joining online, gathered online, wherever you are in the world. Uh, a warm welcome extended from me to you, as well as that which has already been given. And those that have come here in person, so great to have you here. Thank you for booking in and being part of this service here today. I hope you are doing well. Well, as Luke has already said, uh, for the last few weeks, we have been in a Sunday series. It has gone so quickly. This is week five. To me, it has anyway. And the series is Beauty for Ashes. I wonder if we can say that together. Beauty for Ashes, focusing on some of the words that Isaiah was proclaiming in his immediate context, primarily at first instance to Judah. But Jesus comes, Luke 4, and says, these words are fulfilled in your hearing. He comes and says, I am the embodiment of this gospel. Isaiah's message was Jesus' message. And it is still Jesus' message because he is alive. Can someone say amen? You know, when I was uh, 17, I walked to the front of a little old traditional Anglican church and I surrendered my life to Jesus. In those moments, uh, the culmination of six months of wrestling, I came to understand that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, had died on the cross in my place and had taken my sin and my shame. And I understood I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And as I ventured forward and I prayed a prayer of repentance and I gave my life over to Him, something happened and I knew that my sins were forgiven. But what I didn't know was that was not all. And let me say, if that was all, that is more than I could possibly have ever dreamed or imagined or merited. And yet I have come to know that was not it, that this Jesus comes with this holistic gospel to bind me up when my heart is broken, to release me when I find bondage and captivity in my life, to lead me out of dark places and into light, to renew, to rebuild, to restore, that, that when ash comes upon me, he gives me a crown of beauty, that, that when a spirit of despair tries to settle on me, there is a garment of praise for me, and I have come to understand if I will only receive it, there is so much more. And this is the message of Isaiah 61, the message of beauty for ashes and how awesome we've also been praying these verses over the city of Coventry. I know many of you online are outside the reach of Coventry, but here in the, the primary city of this church, CLM, we have been praying these verses over CV1 to CV6. Every street, we've got three or four days left to cover the whole city. Get out there if you haven't done it yet. So if you've got a Bible with you, why don't we turn once again to these first four verses of Isaiah 61 and read them once again. This is what the Bible says. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn 
and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. This is the word of the Lord. A few murmured, thanks be to God. Well, we thank God for his word. Today we are going to focus on this fifth and final week on a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. In a moment we will consider what a spirit of despair or heaviness or a faint spirit might look like that he comes to lift off us. But before we do that, I want to just touch on how I believe the life of faith works which goes something like this, that the the God who created the heavens and the earth, He is the one who gives. He is the one that provides. He is the life giver. He is the hope bringer. He is the way maker and the miracle worker. The miracles that we need, the provision we need, come from His hand. And And yet, even though they are given and fully provided by Him, most times in the life of faith, there is something, not much, but something required from us in order that we might receive what is given. Occasionally in Scripture, we see examples where it's almost as if God in His mercy imposes a miracle, like the widow at Nain where she's going to bury her son. And Jesus, the Bible says, moved by compassion, went up and touched the coffin and the boy is restored to life. She didn't seem to ask for it. No one asked for it. It is almost imposed, not unwanted, but imposed upon her. But almost all the other times we see in the Bible, there is something for us to do in order to receive. The, the, the widow who had nothing left but a jar of oil that she was told to go and gather jars and then pour the oil out and it didn't run out and provision came. She had to do something to receive. Peter walked on the water but he had to step out of the boat in order to do it. Israel, they went into the promised land. It was the promised land. He said, I have, I have given you, I have given you this land. He said, I have given your enemies over to you and yet they had to get their feet wet in the river Jordan. They had to march around Jericho for seven days. Something happens. There is the receiving of the gift. Even naturally, you can be the provider of a gift to a loved one and you can source the gift or make the gift and wrap the gift and present the gift. But for the gift to receive its intended conclusion, it has to be received. It has to be Received, It has to be taken. It maybe has to be unwrapped. It maybe has to be unboxed and unpacked. It maybe has to be put on in order for the gift to be received. And there is something in the life of faith. And don't get me wrong, the message of Isaiah 61 is primarily a message of hope and comfort and grace that comes to us. But lest we miss it, there is something for us to lay hold of, something for us to appropriate. There are two words which repeat in these run of verses. The first is proclaim. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to proclaim freedom for the captives, to proclaim the release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But let's be clear, when God proclaims, he proclaims because it is. In fact, as he proclaims, it is. 
If he says it, it is. In the beginning, God said, let there be light and there was light. Why? Because he says it and it is. I have come to proclaim freedom. Jesus doesn't come to, to be another prophet. Isaiah isn't prophesying that someone else will prophesy. When Jesus comes and proclaims freedom, it's because freedom has been provided. In fact, even when he says freedom, there is freedom. In our house, when dinner is made, which I must say too many times it is uh, by Mrs. Story and not Mr. Story or any of the little stories, hearing an amen from the front row, but, but when dinner is provided, when dinner is ready, when dinner is on the table, dinner is proclaimed. I don't know what it is like in, in your family or if you were growing up, probably somebody shout, dinner's ready or dinner time. There is a proclamation from the kitchen. Why not? Because it's not a prophetic statement that at some time there may possibly be food. It's proclaimed because it's provided. And yet, I still have to come to the table. And I want to say here that Jesus, the, he says, the Spirit is on me to proclaim freedom because he's provided freedom. And yet, I still have to come to the table. And I want to say to us today, this message of hope, we still have to come to the table. The second word that repeats is the word bestow. The Spirit is upon me, to bestow upon them. Who's the them? It's the aforementioned, afflicted, the aforementioned poor and mourning and grieving and brokenhearted. He says, I have become to bestow on them. Beauty, a crown of beauty for ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. To bestow upon is to give. A medal is bestowed upon the medal winner. And yet, do you notice the medal winner still has to bow down to receive what is given, what is bestowed? We still have to bow down to receive what is bestowed upon us, not like the medal winner that we earned it, but that it is given in grace. You see in the book of Acts, God literally providing freedom for the captives. His servants are in prison and he breaks open the prison doors and he breaks the chains off them. And he, he gives them an angelic escort out of the prison, but they still have to walk out. They still have to go. And let me tell you, in the same way there is an angelic escort, God himself will help us to step into what he's provided, but we still have to make a move. We still have to do something. And so you see it in pastoral ministry. You see how there are, how in, in people's lives they go through seasons of pain and sometimes you see people in their pain lean away from God. Almost in there, they're too angry to engage with God. They're too frustrated to, to want his help. They, they want a few weeks or days or months to sulk and be frustrated, to be offended by God. And when they, when they operate, you see people function like that. You see them miss out on the grace that is there. And then you see others who in times of great need and trial and difficulty lean into God. And put their questions to one side and find that there is a comforter when comfort is needed. And it's so incredible to watch. You see people walk through the hardest of times and their testimony isn't, woe is me, it is God is good. And he is with me. Because they learn the secret of leaning in and receiving what is given. 
Let's home in on the garment of praise for a spirit of despair. I love that it's here because I think we can all identify with this spirit of despair. The Hebrew word keha, K-E-H-A-H, keha, it, it can be rendered a few different ways. In its simplest form, it can just mean a faint spirit, a, a, a place of being weakened, where we, we feel low, where discouragement can come upon us where we can feel disheartened or empty or flat, where, where we've lost our mojo, where just the, there is a spirit of keha upon us. We are feeling down. The sons of Korah, Psalm 42, 43, say, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? God is not afraid or offended by this language. Keha can also mean despair. A spirit of despair. I wonder how many of us in the last 15 months have at least at some point felt despair. I wonder whether you have heard yourself saying something like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I can't handle this. I've got nothing left. Of course, some may have contemplated the darkest of all thoughts, and I don't dismiss the seriousness of that. Let me tell you, if that is you, that is never God's best for your life. And there is always a way out and God will lift you out. But I'm not talking really about that. I'm talking that feeling of despair, that wanting to walk away from that to which you should stay or wanting to, to walk away from the assignment that God has given you, that spirit of despair, I have had enough. Keha. Keha can mean heaviness, feeling sad, heavy-hearted, overwhelmed. I think this promise of hope would have, would have struck a chord with Judah because they'd lost their way, they'd lost their joy, they'd lost some loved ones, they'd lost their purpose and they'd begun to lose their identity and God comes to them and he says, I see you, I see the spirit of heaviness upon you and I have come to bestow on you something else. And I want to say to you, if you identify with this, God says today, I see you. I see you and I come to give you something else. I come to give you something and it is praise and it will lift the dust off you. It will lift the heaviness off you. It will renew hope within you. It will cause faith to rise within you. It will refresh your purpose and your identity. It will bring color to what has felt gray. It will bring, bring life where there has been darkness and there has been heaviness. It will provide hope. But of course, the problem is that usually when there is a spirit of heaviness upon us or near us, we don't much feel like a praise party. So I've come to encourage you in three things before today we put something into action and we step in to receive what God has given. I've come to encourage you, number one, to open your eyes. I've come to encourage you to open your eyes. It's like the Lord would say, what the enemy has tried to put on you, I've come to lift off you. That we might open our eyes and be reminded that the en if the enemy can, he will lead you into discouragement. If he can pull you off God's assignment, he will. If he can get you to say, I can't do this anymore, when that's not what God said, he will. We have an enemy at work. If he can dishearten you and weaken you and discourage you and bring you to despair, it will be his joy because he comes to steal, kill and to destroy. And it's amazing, isn't it? Because I know most of you here in the room and online, you know this already. 
You, this is not new information. And yet, in those moments of despair and discouragement, how easy it is that we lose sight of the spiritual battle of which we know. And when we get discouraged, we, we don't quickly realize there is an enemy trying to put dust upon us and burden us down and bring us into despair because discouragement never comes with a spiritual label on it. It never comes with a, with a demonic disclaimer on it. It just comes out of the circumstance, maybe the relentlessness of life, maybe some particularly difficult things to navigate. And sometimes those circumstances, they're not an attack from the enemy, and yet he will come and try and piggyback what is there and bring heaviness and discouragement. And even though we know somewhere in Ephesians 6 the battle, uh, the battle is not against flesh and blood, in those moments we don't wake up. And I want to tell you this because I know that I need to open my eyes in those moments. Friends, I'm not discounting the importance of well-being and healthy rhythms and self-care, nor the benefit of counseling for those who need it. But I know nine times out of ten, the first thing I need to do if a spirit of heaviness comes upon me is to open my eyes and realize I am in a battle. And realize there is something else that God has for me. Secondly, I've come to encourage you today to receive what the Lord wants to give you to find your voice, to find your voice. Ephesians 6 does tell us to put on the full armor of God. I'm not going to try and unpack that scripture in these moments, but I do want to draw attention to two parts of the armory. And the first is the shield of faith, the shield of faith to defend us. And yet the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing. Someone say hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if I need a shield from the spirit of heaviness, I need faith. And how am I going to get faith? I'm going to get faith by, by hearing. But if no one else is speaking faith to me, I need to speak faith to myself. In fact, nobody's voice will be more powerful in your life than your own voice. In fact, even while I've been preaching, most of you will have been hearing a mix of what I've been saying to you and what you have been saying to you. You will have, you will have listened and then you will have zoned out and you will have started to introduce self-talk. That's why some people come up to me at the end of the sermon and thank me for saying things I didn't say. Because they said it to themselves while I was preaching. Because this is what happens. But you know one's voice is more powerful in your life than your own voice. And when we declare what is true, something powerful happens, but we have to find our voice. The sword of the Spirit, Ephesians 6 says, which is the Word, the Word of God. Can someone say Word of God? It is the Word of God, and we have to declare the Word of God. And what happens is if our thoughts are right, then our words will probably be right because from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. But what happens when our thoughts are not right? How do we get our thoughts right? The best way to get our thoughts right is by speaking what is true. And when we hear what is true, our faith will rise, our hope will rise. Our thoughts will change and then our words will follow of what is true. But sometimes we have to put in our mouth what is true in order to get the lie out of our head. But friends, we have to find our voice. 
in the valley of Elah, David and Goliath, a spirit of intimidation is reigning in the valley and Goliath is thundering against God's people and there is a spirit of despair, a spirit of Keha that is in the camp until somebody says something. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And all of a sudden, the whole story changes on a word of faith because somebody said something. Somebody had the courage to lift their voice. My friends, if we want to receive what God is giving us, we have to find our voice. I think in the last year, some of us, we've lost our voices. It's been so difficult, I think, for many of us during this pandemic, just engaging with church online. And I know there are some of our faithful people that they stand, they they actually haven't come in person because they're singing their hearts out at home. But I know for a lot of us, we instead of being worshippers, we become spectators. That actually we've become very quiet. Our praying has all become internalized. And let me tell you, I'm not against internal prayers. The God of heaven can hear what we pray internally. But there is something powerful about lifting up our voice. And some of us, we've lost our voices. And we have to lift up our voices. We have to learn to speak. A year ago during Open Heaven 2020, I went out on a prayer walk with another minister praying over the city and we started to shout over Coventry. And I realized that since March lockdown through to June 2020, I had not shouted in worship. I had not shouted in praise. I had not shouted in warfare. I had not lifted my voice. And while it's not all about shouting, I realized how quiet I had become. My friends, we have to learn to lift our voice. Some of you heard me share this story before, but when our children were, were small, I remember Esther and I talking, and she'd been working as a physiotherapist, and we just had a chat, and she was saying how really she wanted to invest the next season of her life as full-time mom, and, and it resonated with me. I wanted to support her in that, and then I did the maths. And I realized that there was just no way we could make it work financially, and we were two, three hundred pounds a month short, no matter how we tried to rein things in. I remember feeling frustrated and I went for a walk and I started talking to God. I complained to him how frustrated I was that this was our situation, how that I'd stepped out of a well-paid job into ministry and now I couldn't provide for my family, for my wife to do what she wanted to do. And I, I was ranting. I was, and then suddenly something snapped in me. I remember, you always remember where you are when you have an epiphany. And I was outside Wilco's in Beeston, Nottingham in the pouring rain and something inside me said, hang on a minute. Who, who is this? What is this faithless voice that speaks within me as if my God is not able? As I hang on a minute, the one who has always been faithful, is he about to stop being faithful? I said, Lord, I am so sorry. You have never let me down. From the moment I put my hand in your hand, I do not believe you are about to do it now because you are almighty God and you are able and you own the cattle on a thousand hills and your arm is never too short and you are my God and we will trust you and something came out of me. I had to find my voice. I want to encourage you to find your voice. And thirdly, I've come to encourage you to put your praise on. Hear me today. I've not come to chastise anyone. I I come with tenderness to any who 
can identify today with a spirit of heaviness and a spirit of despair, but I have come to encourage you to put on what God has given to you. I've come to remind us there is one who has come to lift off the dust, the garment of praise. You have to put it on. Paul and Silas, Acts 16, stripped, beaten, severely flogged, their feet in stocks in the inner cell, the dark cell, the damp cell, and it's midnight. And if I was there and if you were there, there would be a spirit of heaviness crouching at the door. But it said around the midnight hour, they began to sing hymns to the Lord. And the doors flew open and the chains came off. My friend, there is power when we put our praise on. And 2 Chronicles 20, Judah's enemies, it seems almost all at once are coming against Judah. And they are overwhelmed by the scale and the size of the opposing army. And Jehoshaphat calls a fast and he calls the people together and they pray. And he says, Lord, we do not know what to do. Is that not a spirit of despair crouching at the door? But then he says, but our eyes are upon you. And a young man, the Spirit of God, comes upon him and he says, O king, do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed, for the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. And then it says some Levites from the, the Kohathites, they came and with very loud voice, they started to praise the Lord. Let me tell you, the hundreds and thousands of armies were still bearing down upon them. But the people of God began to put their praise on. By the next morning, the king was in faith. And he said to them, we're putting the worship team at the head of the army. We're putting the singers out front. We're going to put our praise on. Go read it and see what God does. I'm going to invite the band to come. But let me finish as I invite the band to come. Let me finish and say this. And I'm not being ironic that praise is not about music. That in this moment, the band are going to help us as we step out. But praise is not about music. To praise someone is to admire them, to approve them, to speak well of them, to rejoice in them. If, if, I, was, if I was saying, oh, Tommy, I, I was singing your praises the other day. Oh, I was talking to Dr. Ketchy and I, I was singing your praises. I probably wasn't going, Tommy, she's so amazing. I'll probably go, and she's so great, you know. When we sing our praises, we put our praise on, we can declare we don't need music. I believe in the power of singing. But in this season, we're here in the room, we're discouraged from singing, we can still put our praise on. Let me say it again. When here in the room, and some of you at home, you've got out of the habit of lifting your voice, with or without music, we can still put our praise on. We can get up in the morning, we can read a psalm, we can declare truth, and I encourage you to do it out loud. To find your voice and put your praise on. Maybe, maybe even more powerful to then flow into something that is authentically yours. This is an expression of your own faith, of how God has been good to you, how God has been faithful to you. I wonder if we can stand here. I'm going to invite you where you are at home to stand. If you're on this by catch-up, I don't care too much what time of the day or night it is. If you're driving your car, don't stand up. But otherwise, I'm going to invite you to stand up. And in a moment, we're going to put our praise on. I am going to lead us in a declaration. I'm going to lead us in the Apostles' Creed. 
a declaration of what we as believers believe. When it says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, that word means united, the united church. And then we're going to move into some phrases from Scripture, declarations of praise. Before the band move to another song, we're going to put our praise on. But I wonder, just before we do that, if there are some that can identify at home here in the room with a spirit of heaviness, a spirit of despair. You've heard yourself saying, you know, I don't know if I can keep going. Something's like the enemy has tried to put dust upon you. And if that, if that, you resonate with that, I want to just love to pray for you. Just raise a hand where you are at home or here in the room. Lord, I thank you that you are the one that comes and you see us. You come to provide something beautiful and something powerful. You see the dust that the enemy would try and put on us and you see it on us and it grieves you. You come and say, let me lift that off you because that does not belong on you. And I pray for my brothers and my sisters here in the room and online who have felt this spirit of Kehar almost try to rest upon them. And I pray as they put their praise on in a moment that you would lift and break something off in the name of Jesus. So together, this will come up on the screen. Can we declare? Can we lift up our voices? Can I encourage you, even here if you have your face mask on, to lift your voice, to not be quiet, but to declare something with some passion and some intention. Together, I believe in God. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. For yours, Lord, is the greatness, and the power, and the glory, and the majesty, and the splendor, for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. You are good, Lord, and your love endures forever. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You are righteous in all your ways. Your anger lasts only a moment, but your favor lasts a lifetime. You are my shepherd, and I shall not want. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside quiet waters. You are the restorer of my soul, and you are the lifter of my head. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Rod and your staff, they come for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you rule over the nations. You reign in majesty. You are highly exalted. You are great and greatly to be praised. You are Alpha.
Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. You are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. You do not treat me as my sins deserve, nor repay me for my iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed your transgressions from me. And I joy with heaven in declaring today, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. 